0: This is to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It is Election Day here and around the country, and we're talking about elections. We talked a little about election history. We're talking about the decisions that we are making at the ballot box today. And I want to hear from you, the listeners, throughout the hour about your experience today today. Voting, showing up at the polls, how heavy are the lines that you are waiting in? I'm seeing lots and lots of photos that people are posting on social media about the lines that they're waiting in. Uh, Give us a sense of what's going on in your voting world today. If you live in a Republican area, if you live in a Democratic area, an area that's split, Give us a sense of how many other people you're encountering at the polls. We also want to talk a little about cybersecurity uh, th- today. There are a lot of questions about this election that we've been asking in recent weeks, and how will voters make sure their vote counts? What role will different voting box play? Will we see things like voter intimidation and suppression? But cybersecurity is something that... A lot of people haven't asked a lot about how secure will this election be. We know that there are foreign and domestic actors who would like to interfere in our elections. We know that technology is constantly changing. So how big are the threats? What are they? And what are we doing to prevent them? My next guest is thinking about those questions all the time and has been working with the state of Michigan to improve the ways that we secure our elections. Alex Halderman is a professor of computer science and engineering at the University of Michigan, and he is the co-chair of the Michigan Election Security Advisory Commission. Alex Halderman, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hi, Stephen. It's great to be here. Yes, it's great to have you.
0: So let's start with this. How much confidence should voters have that this election will be secure from cyber threats?
1: Well, that's really the big question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In Michigan, we have lots of reason to be confident. Michigan has uh, made several different upgrades since 2016. We have all new equipment. The state has pioneered something called risk-limiting audits, which is a, a way of making sure that the paper accurately reflects the uh, the votes. and. Um, The state is positioned as a leader in securing its elections around the country. It's still something of a patchwork of strength and weakness. There are some states that still need to make significant improvements and others that are are well locked down. But on the whole, I think voters should be quite confident that we will get the right election results this year. There just might be a few bumps along the road and uh, the right results may take some time.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's the worst case scenario for election 2020 in terms of cyber interference? You know, we did hear after the 2016 elections about the attempts by the Russians and some other Foreign actors to to meddle in in our elections. Uh, what what is what would that look like if these actors were successful, for instance, in 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 disrupting
1: the balloting? Well, we know that in twenty sixteen, Russia attempted to probe the security of all fifty states, and in some states, they actually did manage to break into things like voter registration systems or or other local systems. And um, although there's no evidence whatsoever that they managed to successfully change any votes in 2016, um, they probably had the technical capability to cause at least localized disruptions on election day, things like uh, voter registration systems not working, um, things like websites being defaced, or even states initially reporting some incorrect results. We may see those kinds of attacks again today. And in fact, uh, some counties uh, in Florida and Connecticut have been hit in recent weeks by ransomware, um, attacks that took down some of their election related systems. Um, Iran managed to compromise one state's voter registration rolls and uh, steal voter registration records and then send alarming emails to voters um, threatening them if they voted a certain way.
2: Hmm.
1: But all of these attacks are are basically superficial. They're meant to cause fear. they're meant to cause delay or chaos. And if voters have patience, um, we're likely to recover very quickly from those kinds of problems. So I, I think what listeners need to think about today is there may be some disruptions. Some of them may even be due to hacking, but election officials have been preparing for four years, and um, most the most likely scenarios are all ones that we're going to be able to get over and get to an orderly count.
0: Mm. And um, so you serve as co-chair of the Michigan Election Security Advisory Commission. Talk about the work that that commission does and the way the state has incorporated some of your recommendations to make sure that uh, balloting is secure.
1: Yes. So two years ago, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson commissioned uh, experts from across the country, as well as local and county election officials from within the state, Um, To form a group to study election security and uh, recommend ways that the state can be doing even better. And we had a number of public meetings uh, over the course of 2019 and made recommendations to the state, but just now our final report last week has, has become public. Now, um, for the most part, the state is doing extremely well. And one of the changes that uh, they have been working on that I I think voters should be most interested in is something called the risk-limiting audit. And that's a way that after the election, the state can go back and look at uh, paper ballots selected at random from all the votes that have been cast and look at enough of those paper ballots that we can be very confident that the initial results, which come from computer scanners that read your ballots, um, that those initial results are right and show the right winners. And risk-limiting audits are basically just a common sense kind of quality control. If you're manufacturing something, you want to pull some of the product off the line to make sure it's right. And a risk-limiting audit is doing that to the election result. Now, Michigan was the uh, one of the first states to conduct a statewide pilot of a risk limiting audit this spring, with the presidential primary, and it's uh, quite likely that uh, the state will conduct a risk limiting audit of this uh, of today's results as well, hmm. thus giving a very good basis for confidence.
0: And and you know, one of the questions that I always have about about this is how much should we be leaning into technology for our balloting? So so when I think of things like the way we pay our taxes, right, uh, you can go online and sign in with your uh, social security number and things like that and, and, and pay your taxes. And no one worries, it seems, about the security of those kinds of things. Uh, corporations do it. Individuals do it. I think of the other kinds of business that we all conduct – Online today, and I I, 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 always wonder whether voting would be better and more secure if we did it more that way, or if it would open voting up to more mischief and and trouble uh, if we did. Right. What do you make of that?
1: Right. Well, there's a big difference between shopping online or banking online and and voting online. And the the difference is if you bank online and someone steals your money, you're going to notice because the money won't be there in your account. Right. With online voting, if there's an attack of some sort that changes how your vote has been recorded, well, you're not going to be able to to check that. How would you know? And the, the re- there's a good reason that it's hard to know, and that's because we have a secret ballot. And it's supposed to be difficult for you to prove to anyone else how you voted. If you could do that, then it would be a lot easier to coerce people into voting a way they didn't want to. Um, but that makes online voting a, a really challenging problem. And in, in my own research, I've studied online voting systems that states and jurisdictions have Um, have piloted or used. And um, in in one case, in Washington, D.C., they ran an online voting pilot and invited anyone in the world to try to hack in and took my team at Michigan um, two days to hack in and change all the votes. Oh, wow. And and the only way that the election officials found out is we we left a, a little bit of a calling card for them to discover. We changed the system so that every time a voter voted, It played the Michigan football fight song. (laughs) So, without that kind of tell, though, it could be extremely difficult to ever find out that something was wrong if we voted online. Whereas, with the system we have in place in Michigan, virtually all of the ballots are marked by hand on a piece of paper, something that No cyber attack can later go in and change. And And as long as we look at enough of those pieces of paper to confirm the computerized results, everyone can have confidence that uh, hacking did not play a factor in the result.
0: Mm, Yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We want to hear from listeners about their voting experience today and what you're seeing at the polls. Also give us a call and give us a sense of what you think about the level of security that uh, is attending our election? How confident are you that our elections are conducted securely and safely? And what are your biggest concerns about election interference? We've got Alex Halderman, professor of computer science and engineering at the University of Michigan and co-chair of the Michigan Election Security Advisory Commission with us to answer your questions. Let's go to Scotty over on the east side. Scotty. Welcome to the show hi hi how are you how are you good I, how are you okay go ahead Scotty.
3: yeah um, over in, D- in the area I'm in there is um this is district four of Detroit' uh-huh. it's divided into seven districts and in district four we ju- just got something called the community Advisory Council district seven is the only other district that has one uh-huh. And so this would be the first time people will be voting on community advisory council candidates.
0: Right, and that this was part of the if I if my memory serves, this was part of the reforms that we adopted with the the new charter here in Detroit in two thousand nine. Is that right, Scotty?
3: Well, it's twenty twelve charter. Twenty
0: twelve, yeah. See, I had the year wrong. Um,
3: yeah, uh, they, they used to have some called um, citizen district councils, which a lot of people like even more. Uh-huh. Um, But what's different about the Community Advisory Council is it doesn't exist automatically, unlike the other offices in the city government. Mm -hmm. This one is created um, by petition, and if enough people in the district petition to create one, then it occurs, and then people can run for that office on the ballot. One thing that's a little frustrating is even though District 7 has had one for a couple of years, if you go on the DetroitMI.gov website and search for Community Advisory Council, there's no information There's nothing about there. It. Yeah. Everything else that lists the um, office holders, the contact information, tells you what the um, the office is. Nothing about community advisory council.
0: Wow. Wow. That's that's unfortunate, Scotty, and that's probably something they ought to ought to change. Give people a little more information about. But that's a really interesting thing to be doing on on this election day, you know, making your first choices for that community advisory council. So good luck with that, and good luck with the the council, once it's uh, once it's chosen, I, my memory is that this was a way to enhance citizen participation in in uh, city council uh, districts and um, uh, the way that uh, the way that they serve uh, citizens, the, the 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 services that we get uh, as people who live in the city. Scotty, thanks very much for the call and the info. Let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning, Stephen. Happy Election Day.
0: Happy Election Stephen, Day to you. I'm
2: one of these strange Americans. Election Day is a big deal for me. It's one of my favorite days. I've been voting since I was 18, haven't missed an election. And um, I'm happy to vote in every presidential election. And I find a good candidate in each election, and I found one this year. Um <laughs> I wanted to say congratulations to the team over in Precinct 124 near downtown Detroit and Lafayette Park. They're Mm -hmm. doing a great job of keeping the place clean and getting people in and out pretty quickly. Um, And in terms of, like, low-tech election security, Stephen, you would recall that we've always had challenges in Detroit reconciling the the ballots in the bin Mm -hmm. and the paperwork, you Mm -hmm. know, the attending paperwork. This year they seem to have made a few little tiny changes like having voters keep all the paperwork together and turn in both the ballot and the, the sign-up sheet at the same time. I see. So I think they've made some old-fashioned process improvements that are going to help the accuracy of the election in Detroit this year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great information, Terry. I, I don't know that I was uh, aware of that. Thanks very much for the call and the info. Alex Halderman, uh, talk about that kind of Security and confidence that uh, that we always want to have in in balloting, we've had a we've had a hard time with that in the past here in Detroit, especially.
1: Well, right. So um, first, happy election day to you too, Terry, <laughs> and uh, thank thank you thank you for those um, those comments. So. Uh, election procedures have been designed and honed over the years to make sure that we're protecting ballots on the ground in a in a strong way. So we need a chain of custody of those records. This is uh, just making sure that the ballots get into the ballot box. The ballot box um, uh, gets safely stored and sealed. And uh, that that physical evidence of how we voted is well protected. At the same time, in the system we use in Michigan, we don't just have this physical record on pieces of paper. We also have a digital record of every vote that's created at the time you're scanning your ballot. So you put it into that machine at the polling place, it's going to create a digital scan of your ballot that we can later go back and, and compare and make sure that those digital records match what's on the pieces of paper. That gives us a bit of the best of both worlds. We have the low-tech defense of the paper, the high-tech defense of a digital record, and as long as we're checking to make sure they agree, changing the election results would be extremely difficult. Why you'd need at both a high-tech conspiracy and a large conspiracy of people on the ground tinkering with pieces of paper. And i um, This is really the gold standard system in the U.S. today, one that combines the electronic records and the paper like this.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: Again, Terry, thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to John in Windsor. John, welcome to the show. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Stephen. Great show. Thanks. Great a day for an election, eh? Yes, it is. It's
0: sunny out, too.
4: (laughs) It's sunny. It's beautiful. Um, So there's 620,000 eligible voters in Canada.
0: Eligible American voters.
4: American voters. A lot of people don't realize that. That's a lot. In the last election, only 5% voted. 33,000. The feeling I'm getting from my other uh, patriots up here, compatriots, I should say, and from what I'm reading, there could be a huge wave of us in Canada Hmm. voting. And understand from a mentality point of view and where we we come from – you know, Canada's not some weird left-wing socialist. We're all, you know, <laughs> under control of the government. It's like Rhode Island. Type thing, right? <laughs> We're pretty nice. But I got to tell you, I think you might find this election could be decided by expatriates.
0: That's really interesting, uh, John. So you have to, I mean, and especially this year because of the pandemic, I'm assuming you had to vote absentee and, and by mail. Did you worry about... Some of the things that uh, that some of the trouble that we've had with with the post office this year when you were casting your ballot.
4: Well, um, I'm a registered voter in New Jersey. Okay. And uh, I received my ballot and they gave me three ways to send it back. I could use ground, whether FedEx or the mail.
2: Hmm.
4: I could fax it or I could email it. Um, I went, wow, that's easy. I emailed it. Um I asked them did you receive it and I got a notification back saying ballot received thank
0: mm-hmm. you Wow wow so that's a pretty that's a pretty efficient way of uh, of doing it John I really appreciate the call and that information I did not know there were that many uh, Americans living in Canada who uh, who who uh, who vote uh, in our election. so that's that could be. You're not. You're not wrong. That if uh, a significant number of them show up at the polls, uh, that could make some difference. Uh, okay, um, that's gonna do it for us today, Alex Halderman, I really want to thank you for being here with us uh, on Detroit today. Um, before we before we go, just give us a, a a quick sense of what your sense is of what we will what we will experience from this election. Uh, do you feel like there will be the same kinds of stories about cyber security coming out of this election that we had uh, in 2016?
1: Well, whatever happens today, there are going to be significant cyber security problems in some parts of the country left to solve. Mm. And I think it will be a challenge for the next administration and next Congress to Um, determine a national response to those challenges. But for today, most problems that we're going to see um, having to do with cybersecurity are likely to be localized. Most election breakdowns are probably not even going to have anything to do with hacking. So I encourage voters to be patient, to listen to your local election officials. And, um, To be skeptical about any rumors that are flying around uh, that that something has been hacked or has been rigged. Good election results take time, but after our processes are done, we're going to uh, have a lot more basis for confidence in whatever the outcome may be.
0: Yeah. Okay, Alex Halderman, thank you very much for being with us on Detroit today. That is going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about what we know and what we don't know the morning after the polls close. Zach Gorcho of the Gongor News Service in Lansing will join us for that. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Go vote, and we'll talk again tomorrow.